Help me to be faithful um, in sharing the gospel this morning. And, and Lord God, I pray that people would hear from you, Lord, not from me, but from you, um, and that folks would know you more um, this morning as a result of hearing your word. Help us to worship you with our minds in this time. Amen. And if you are a small child, I forgot to dismiss you, so you can uh, head, for the, head for the children's church area. Um, and I'm going to grab this stool. And take my coat off because it's kind of warm in here. Um, all right. Uh, anybody know what the uh, what the holiday coming up is? That's right. Every husband in the room just got panicked. Oh, and she was born on Valentine's Day. She was really. That's awesome, dude. That's you combine two gifts in one shot there. Like that's outstanding. I, <laughs> Um, so I, (laughs) that's not the way to look at it. (laughs) Um, as we, uh, as we come up on the holiday, actually, I was thinking about, about Valentine's Day. I was thinking about, um, um, my wife quite a bit this weekend because she was gone with Abby for a birthday girls weekend. And I was, I was home alone with Titus and I, I've discovered the longer I'm married, the more that like when Jess leaves for a couple days, I just feel very lost and I miss her very quickly, which is kind of weird, I guess. Um, I, and I end up in this place where, like this weekend, I, I, I start thinking, well, what can I do that she'll like? You know, what can I do that she'll like when she comes back? And I'll, I'll clean stuff or I'll do, do extra chores or I'll find stuff to, to, to surprise her with or whatever because I, I, cause I miss her. Um, and if I think back, you know, we've been married 22 years-ish. Uh, yeah, it was a long time. Um, actually, yeah, anyway, um, we've been married a long time and I, if I think back, there was a long stretch early in our marriage where I would do nice things, nice things for her cause I wanted her to do nice things for me. And I figured it was a payback. You know, if I do this, you oh, come on. <laughs> I saw a shock faces. Husbands, have y'all ever, you know, I, I do this for her. She does. I mean, we, and it's this mindset that we have, and this is sort of a natural state, I think, um, um, we, we tend to think about ourselves first, right? We tend to be very self-centered people. It's just the nature of man. We are sinners, like we're broken. And, and, and the nature of the first sin was like, I will be God, right? Adam and Eve, you will be like God. You get to take his place. And that was the mistake they made. They, they thought, well, they could become God. And, and in reality, none of us is big enough for that. And what we've been talking about here is grace. And the biggest problem we encounter with grace Um, is that we desire to pay for something we can't pay for. Um, We desire sometimes to work and earn something that we can't work and earn. Like, Like, God forgives us because he loves us. God forgives us because in Christ he has grace and mercy on us. And that grace and mercy is boundless. It is amazing. It is a gift. However, we desire to earn it. And... We're working through Galatians now. We kind of worked on the prodigal son. This will probably be the last uh, grace sermon I'm going to do in this series. Um, and, and the reason I wanted to finish with this is um, a lot of times when we talk about grace, it's easy to, to say, oh, well, um, saved by grace through faith, and that's it. When we forget about the works part, um, we, we desire 
to earn it, but that's not right. You cannot earn salvation, and if you do works to earn salvation, you're wrong. Like me cleaning the house, you know, like, like for my wife because I'm being selfish, that's, that's wrong. It doesn't work. Um, and women see through that, husbands. <laughs> Just be aware they, they're smarter than us, and, and they know what our motives are, um, or at least they think they know. Um, works are a little more in the direction of, I love God, therefore I will. And that's what we're going to look at today. Um, our series so far, we've talked about just how amazing grace is. We've talked about the prodigal son, how broken and wicked he was, and that you know the father welcomes him back with open arms. We've talked about how horrible sin is and how like disgusting and, and offensive it is to God. And the fact that God forgives us and sent his son to die for us is amazing based on how awful sin is. Um, we've talked about the older son, like this, this kind of version of sin where you're earning your way into heaven, which is um, sort of that works righteousness thing. And last week we talked about, we kind of punched it again, this you are saved by grace, period. You cannot earn it. You cannot follow the law well enough to go to heaven, like, period. There is no doing it. It does not work. Um, I read a story this morning about um, a man who was arrested uh, he had broken out of jail in Indiana and fled the area and then come back to Indiana years later under a different name um, with a wife and kids and everything else, and he got caught. Um, you know, a U.S. Marshal found him and arrested him, and he said, well, listen, just take me by my home one last time before I go to jail. And so he takes him by the home, and he says to his wife, well, hey, wasn't I a great husband? Wasn't I a good man? Wasn't I this? Wasn't I that? And like his intent was, I can convince the officer that I shouldn't go to jail for breaking out of prison before because I'm good. Um, in reality, he owed a debt because of his original sins. All of us are in that boat. You can't earn your way out. You can't be good after breaking out of jail. Like it just doesn't work. Like we are all completely like lost as a result of our sin. But Christ, because we have faith in him, we're saved. That is all it takes is faith in Christ, and that is it. You are saved. You are made new. You are clean. Um, the whole nine yards. Um, in Galatians, we're looking at a group of folks that have gone from saved by grace to believing they have to follow the law to be saved. And so they've gone from, hey, we, are, we have faith in Christ. We've seen the Spirit. We've been made new. We've started worshiping. We've become new. And then a bunch of folks who are coming in were called Judaizers. They were the people who were trying to turn Christianity back into the Jewish faith. And as weird as it sounds, there's still people who do that today, who say, oh, well, but Christians should follow this rule, and they should follow that rule, and they should do this, and they should, you know, these are all, and, and in fact, it's not just folks who are trying to turn it back into the Jewish faith. I watched a sermon the other day from a guy who said, because the Bible says women should not, or should wear dresses, that, that they should wear dresses. And, like, even if you're skiing, women should wear dresses. I think, oh, my gosh, like, <laughs> that's insane. But they want to earn their way to heaven by obeying these nonsense rules, um, these, these made-up regulations, as though that was going to make you holy. You cannot earn salvation. And this is what the letter to the Galatians is about. It is about, look, guys. Don't think you're going to get circumcised, and getting circumcised is going to make you acceptable to God. Don't think you're going to follow the dietary laws, and that's going to make you, you know, acceptable to God. None of that stuff will work. It will never work. And so we're diving into Galatians, because it's not the end of the story. The problem is that sometimes we read this grace thing, and we stop there, right? Um, we stop there, and we miss an important part, and we'll get there. 
For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. So Paul is writing to this group, and he's saying, listen, you're freed, so you're free. Don't go back to it. Like, stop doing what you're doing and be free. Don't go back and get under the law again. Don't go back and get under sin again. Don't submit so that you're, like, made a slave again. Don't do this. It doesn't make sense. Um, I was reading about cake batter. This is really a random transition. Cake batter. Um, y'all, I know that this is Montana, and y'all are all like Montana women, so you don't use cake batter, instant batter. You, you make cake from scratch, right? Um, but the original marketing of instant cake batter from, from Betty Crocker was a complete failure. Um, and it was like, hey, just add water, mix it up, and bake it, and it's a cake. And they did like, you know, they, they did this big rollout. It's so easy. Look at this. And um, housewives did not like it because it felt too easy. And so what Betty Crocker did was they said, oh, well, we're just going to change the box. They didn't change the recipe. They didn't change anything. Change the box and said, add one egg and water. And it flipped their sales around. Because people felt like if I'm adding an egg, I'm doing something. It's work. Then it's really baking a cake. And I don't know, it's not that, anyway, um, what we desire to do sometimes is we want to add. And that adding um, is sinful. There's no one way or the other about it. I'm saved by faith. If I add works in as a way of being saved, it's sinful. It is sinful to say, oh, well, I will, I'll feed the poor and then God will accept me. I'll... um, you know, I'll go out and tell people about Jesus. If I'm not going out and knocking on doors every Wednesday and every Sunday and I'm not going door-to-door preaching, then I'm probably going to hell because I'm not working hard enough. You cannot work hard enough. You know, the egg doesn't do anything um, except as it comes to faith, it spoils it. Um, once you believe you're owed by God, it's over. Um, in Romans, Paul says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death? We therefore were buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Um, I'm including this. Here's the idea, and this is sort of the mechanics of what we're talking about. By grace, I'm saved through faith, and I died in my old way. My old way, which was a slave to sin, a slave to the law, right? Because I have to obey the law to be acceptable to God. And like all the law does is, it convinces me to sin because it gives me a goal, right? (laughs) The law shows up and it says, don't covet. And immediately, like the, the sin in me says, hey, there's some stuff around here I'd love to have, right? Um, and Paul says, listen, that grace we receive, that grace, it, it changes us. We don't continue to sin so we get more grace. We are forgiven and we die to the old way and therefore we become something different. And in becoming something different, um, we live different. We can't help but live different. Um, Galatians, we're going to jump ahead a little bit in Galatians to 13. Uh, For you are called to freedom, brothers, 
Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you do not are not consumed by one another. Um, so what Paul does is he says, listen, you're free. You're free from sin. You're free from the law. The law no longer applies to you. It doesn't. We don't earn our way to heaven. You don't act right to be acceptable to God. God loves you anyway. Like God loves you even though you're wicked and broken and sinful and rotten and horrible. God loves you and has forgiven you. Now that you're forgiven, don't go back. Right? I quit smoking, uh, golly, 15 years ago later this month. Um, And when I quit smoking... I always kept a box of cigarettes in the bottom of my toolbox in the garage. And so I'd quit, and I'd go like two weeks. But I always knew that box of cigarettes is right there. And actually, the way I eventually completely quit um, was I got rid of the box of cigarettes in the toolbox so there was no out. And I didn't go to the gas station I bought cigarettes at. And I didn't go any, I mean, like, I, I changed the path I drove to work, which sounds really weird. But I knew if I stopped for gas at that gas station, I'd walk up, and the very first thing that the guy would do, because he knew me, right? He would put it on the counter. If it was on the counter in front of me, I was buying it. There was no discussion. Like, there's a part of me that really wanted it. I was freed from, like, the physical dependence. But there was this part of me that says, ooh, that's good, right? And in reality, like, I had to just avoid it. Um, we're called to freedom. We're called to escape the flesh and the law. If we go back to the law, if we go back to the flesh, we're stuck. Um, if you live your life, I'm going to come back to my marriage illustration. If you live your life um, trying to earn your spouse's love instead of expressing love in the way you live, you will eventually end up miserable because they will never, ever meet your needs. They will never reach up high enough. Um, you will always then become bitter and you'll become more legalistic and you'll become more this, you'll become more that. Um, instead, we fulfill the law by loving. Um, why do I obey God's law? Well, for starters, well, gosh, this gets complicated really quickly. Um, I begin to do what pleases God because I am so grateful that Christ died for me. And I am so, like, I'm made new. I'm part of his family. As a part of his family, I act differently, right? I don't just live the way I used to live. If I'm now a son of God, I have to act like a son of God because that's what I am. Um, The example I often use is my kid and sandwiches, right? You give him a sandwich, he goes in the living room, he puts it on the floor and sits down. Five minutes later, he gets up and leaves. And the dog is in the corner watching him because he knows that every time Titus sits down with a sandwich, he's going to walk away from it, and the dog's going to run up and eat the sandwich. Give him another sandwich. Ten minutes later, what happens? Dog eats the sandwich, and he's mad at the dog. And I say, you know what? So I'm like, can't be mad at the dog. This is all he knows how to do. Like, every time you leave a sandwich, he's going to eat it because he's a dog. Um, Why do I obey God? Because that's what I am. Because that's who I am. Because I, I want to belong to God. I want to be his child. I, I want to be the man I was supposed to be. There's a great scene in the end of uh, Saving Private Ryan where um, it's, it's this World War II film. I'm, I'm sure probably most everybody's seen it. There's this World War II film where, where this fella is, um, his, his brothers are all killed on D-Day. And a group of soldiers are sent out to find him and bring him home so that like, not all the sons die in the same battle, 
and they go and they find him, and he refuses to leave because they, he has this important job to do, and these soldiers fight alongside him, and they're all killed except for Ryan. And in the very end, the, the um, captain is there, and he's dying, and he's talking to Private Ryan, and he says, hey, you earned this. You know, you, you earn this. You, you live your life and earn it. And then it flashes forward decades, um, and this guy comes to the grave of this, this officer who died on his behalf, and he says to his wife, did I live a good life? Was this worth it? I did my best. Like, we, we, can't, we can't earn someone dying for you. You can't. But because Christ died for us, we're called to something better. We die to our old life. We come to life in a new life. And we live different. We become different. You see a sandwich, you eat it because you can't help it. You see a brother in need, you serve him. Someone harms you, you learn to pray for him. Um, you, you have extra, you give. You um, have prayer requests, you pray. Um, you find yourself tempted into lust, like you turn your eyes away and say, well, this isn't how I am, how I am anymore. i got to walk away from that. Um, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. We, uh, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Um, there's a great spot in Romans 7 where Paul says, hey, um, I don't understand the things that I do for the things I want to do or not the things that I do. And like my, he talks about his, I desire to do this, but I end up doing evil. And when I try to avoid this, I end up doing the thing I hate. And it's constantly fighting back and forth and inside me. He says, what a wretched man I am. Um, Who will save me from this body of death? Um, and he says, thank you for Jesus because Christ died for him. And he serves him in his mind, but his flesh he stumbles. And that's kind of what he's saying here. He's saying, um, walk by the Spirit. Um, <clears throat> this does not say do a bunch of works. It does not say regiment your life so that you earn salvation. It says walk by the Spirit. Um, walking by the Spirit is about growing in your faith, filling yourself with the Spirit. Like I, I've discovered when I'm in prayer more often, when I'm talking with other brothers about my temptation um, and my struggles, when I'm in the Word more, when I'm on these things, like I don't have as much trouble with temptation. Right? When I'm isolated, when I'm abandoning my spiritual disciplines, when I'm not bothering to spend time talking to God, like, I tend to do dumb things. Um, there's a, a great concept uh, you find in AA, actually. Um, AA was originally a Bible study group. Like, if you go back to the very beginning, and if you look at the 12 steps, they're all, like, right out of the book of Romans, actually. It's um, admit that you can't control your sin. It, you know, acknowledge that there is a God. Submit your life to God. Um, figure out what your sin is. Confess your sins. Go out and make amends for your sins. Um, you know, and then share the, share the gospel with other people. I mean, like, it's straight up. And in the beginning, um, or one of the big ideas behind this is if you want to overcome your alcoholism, what you do is you spend time with other alcoholics and you work through these steps like repentance, um, confession, uh, etc. Like, you don't hide your sin. You confess it to the people around you and you spend time with people who are helping you be strong in your faith, in your, like, sobriety, and that helps you grow. And this is a thing that the church has kind of abandoned over the years. Like, if you want to overcome sin, one of the best ways to do it is, like, spend time with people who are helping you overcome your sins. 
It's amazing. You sit down with somebody like, like every day for a little bit and say, you know what, here's where I'm struggling. This is what's going on in my head. This is where my heart is. And they will help you get your head right. Um, when you find yourself really tempted, you reach out in prayer or you reach out to the other guy. They help you because, like, our natural desire is to sin. We will always go back to that. We will always be drawn back into sin. And you know what will happen? Actually, I heard a lady say this in an AA meeting once. She said, um, I have started out the day saying I will not drink, and by the end of the day I was drinking so that I wouldn't drink because I convinced myself that that would work. Well, that's nuts. But we do that, though. I, I'm not going to sin. I'm not going to sin. I'm not going to sin. And by the time we're done figuring out how not to sin... We're sinning in a new way so that we won't sin, right? I mean, it, it's the truth. Like, mandating that women wear, you know, vinyl, or uh, not vinyl. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> uh, denim. Denim. I'm sorry, this sermon I watched last week has got me, like, all mad this this guy saying, oh, you know, women have to wear, like, ankle-length denim skirts no matter what. You know, you go sledding, ankle-length denim skirts, because that's what the scriptures say. Which is just, that's nonsense, right? But their argument would be, oh, well, you can't tempt a man wearing this, you know, ridiculous outfit. And it's not pants, because pants are for men, not for women. And so in order to not sin, you have to dress this way. Well, that regulation's sinful. Like, straight up. Like, it's just not scriptural. You're saying this is what God says, and he doesn't say it anywhere, which would make it blasphemy, right? Like, that's taking the name of the Lord in vain, saying the Lord says don't wear pants. Sorry, this is falling apart on me. Thanks. (laughs) But I'm glad some of y'all are still paying attention. Oh, Lord. Please forgive me. I'm shocked at how imperfect I am. But I say walk by the Spirit. And so when we walk by the Spirit, we learn to walk in this new way of life. We learn to walk in our relationship with Christ. I, I, the best times I have, and I, I always use marriage as an analogy for this because I've learned so much from being married. Um, I do best as a married man when I do things because I love my wife, not because I love me. Does that make sense? When I, when I serve her, when I, when I find things to do, to make her happy, or when I think, oh, well, this is something that'll be good. Like, like I do those things because I love her, and it's easy. Um, when I act in ways based on my faith, based on who I know I am in Christ, based on my relationship with Christ, it is easy. Um, that's why Paul talks about this law of love and walking by the Spirit, is because that makes those things easy. The Spirit infests us, and we move in harmony with his will. Um, even if we say dumb things in the moment sometimes, Um, (laughs) um, and you will not gratify the desire of the flesh for the desire of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh for those who are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. So if I'm operating according to the spirit, the law doesn't apply to me. Does that mean I don't like, like it's just throw it away. The Old Testament is trash. Set, you know, set it aside. No, because the Old Testament tells us things. Like the law tells us things about who God is, right? Um, the law tells us things about like how we're to have a relationship with God. The Sabbath is a great example of this. Uh, keep the Sabbath day, uh, honor the Sabbath day, and keep it holy, or whatever. Like it's, it's you take the Sabbath because you're supposed to take time off to rest and spend time with God. That's it. 
but that's a horrible law I have to follow and you can't play baseball on the Sabbath and you can't do this on the Sabbath and you can't have fun on the Sabbath and you better not. That's that's not what the Sabbath is for. The Sabbath is for me to spend time with God. God is saying, hey, take a whole day every week. Don't worry about the world. Worry about me. That's awesome. That's a blessing. If it's the law, it's a curse. I'm not under the law. I want to spend time with God. I want to take a day to rest and spend time with God. Like, like that is a part of being in a relationship with God. Just like my wife coming back for the weekend. I was trying to figure out how to get the kids babysat so I could take her out on a date last night. Um, but I was too tired, and, and she was sick, and we didn't do that. Um, but I always think, well, how do I get time alone with my wife? How do, I, how do I pull her away from the kids and get one-on-one time with my wife? Because I love her. I don't have to be reminded I have to do that. It's easy. Because I'm operating in love. I'm operating by that driving force. And the Spirit does the same thing for us. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalry, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warn you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Um. This list is not definitive. He's writing to a particular church in a particular time in a particular place. They have their issues, and so he kind of nails down some stuff that they're dealing with. Um, and, and we kind of, you know, like, like it's easy to turn that into a definitive. Oh, well, this isn't under that list, so it's okay. Yeah, not really. Um, the big thing to draw out of this is, like, for the most part, works of the flesh are obvious, right? If... If you're operating in a way that glorifies you, right, probably not okay. If you're operating in a way that, like, um, damages the people around you, like fits of anger and rivalry and dissension or causes breaks in the church over, you know, over nothing or over gossip or over some other nonsense, um, like, that's not okay. If you're doing things that cause you to lose control or that are outside of, like, like what God has designed us to be, like, that's not okay. Um, we're to operate in a way that's in harmony with God's will. Um, with God's heart for us. Um, well, how do I do that if there is no law? Like, well, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, right? Um, if I love God with my heart, soul, mind, and strength, I'm going to glorify him with my body, with my attitude, with my emotions. I'm not going to sit around and pour gas on the fire of how angry I am at this guy or that guy. I'm not going to gossip about the guy across the street because he's such a big jerk, and I really like my neighbors across the street. So um, we see it we know it it is obvious and that's paul's point here if you're a believer you know what the works of the flesh are you just know right if you know the scriptures if you've read them if you operate in the spirit if you know jesus's teachings like you know what these are there's no confusion about it um i'm gonna skip the romans passage But the fruits of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such thing there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Now watch this. The works are the fruits of the Spirit. First off, fruit is something that happens naturally, right? Like you plant an apple tree, what's going to grow off of it? Oranges, apples, because that's what happens with apple trees. They grow apples. Or if you're me, you get nothing. Um, 
but you have to tend it. You got to work it. You got to like put investment into it. That's part of the reason. Like we have a garden. Years ago, our first garden, we planted this garden in Indiana. It was right in the space between our sidewalk and the cement out front. We planted, planted this little thing with peppers, and we never pulled weeds out. Not a once. Never watered it. Never tended it. But like in it, eventually, like I didn't mow it. That's what differentiated. I put seeds in and I didn't mow it. And so by the end of the summer, I had this huge overgrown thing, and about 90% of it was ragweed, right? <laughs> and I got surprisingly few peppers out of it. You know why? Because I didn't tend it. I didn't put any effort into it. I didn't do any work. Like us growing the fruits of the Spirit, like it does require some work. Because we're earning heaven? No. Because we're tending our garden. Um, it involves, again, I'm going to say it again, like not hiding our sin. If you want to be sure that you're going to make sin grow, hide it. <laughs> Pretend everything's okay. You want to make sure you become bitter against the world? Don't deal with, like, negative emotions that come up, like in anger at your brother in Christ. Like, don't, don't bother, like, straightening it out. Hide it or talk to unrelated people who will throw gas on that fire for you. Like, <laughs> this is how we tend our garden wrong. Um, we tend our garden by exposing things to the light because you can't grow stuff without light, Right? You can't. Um, you can't grow stuff without watering it, which is the word and the spirit and fellowship. Um, you can't grow stuff without pulling weeds. And we all know what weeds are, in our own lives at least, because they're fun, right? And generally they make you miserable. Um, gossip is fun, but when I'm done gossiping, I always feel awful because I'm ticked off, Right? Or I'm looking at the guy next to me and saying, that guy is such a huge bag of garbage. You know what he did? Isn't it true? Um, we got to weed and we got to water and we got to put light on it. That is work. The cake mix that shows up, you still got to add water. <laughs> you still got to put it in the oven. You still got to frost it if you're smart. Um, and so we crucify the passions of our flesh, and we invest in things of the Spirit, and that helps us to grow spiritually. So do I have to work to get to heaven? No. Not a single thing you do will get you into heaven. Nothing. Faith in Christ is the only thing that will get you there. However, faith in Christ will change you. And in changing you, it will make you desire something better. And sometimes you won't desire it because your flesh will come up and say, I do not want to pray for that guy. Anybody ever have that? You're like, oh my gosh, I do not want to pray for that jerk. I want to go punch him in the face. Um, and in reality, that is our flesh struggling with, our, with the spirit in us. And we have to crucify that regularly. Crucifying the flesh, man, sometimes that involves doing things that burn like crazy. Praying for somebody you don't like. It is not fun, right? Giving when you don't want to give. Anybody have that problem? I, like, it hurts. Um, serving people when you don't think you should or have to or you think you're better than this, like, that hurts, right? Confessing sin, it kills your pride. Um, in reality, like, it is hard work. It's hard work to tend a farm, as much as I make fun of you guys. Um, it is, right? Like, there is work involved. Um, but it's work that brings us toward Christ. Um, in the same way, a good marriage requires work, right? You want to make sure you end up divorced? Men, 
Don't do nice things for your wife. Don't have conversations with her. Don't compliment her. Don't listen to her. Don't hold her when she's crying. Uh, don't, you know, don't do any work, right? And you will have a, an awful marriage. You have a good marriage, you have to work at it. It takes work um, because it's a relationship. You want to be in harmony with God's will for your life. You want to grow close to Christ. You want to be like, like a man or a woman who has a, a heart after, after Christ. Like, it takes work. It takes tending. Is that work going to work your way into heaven? Nope. Not at all. But it's what you desire. It's what you want after a point. Like after Christ has infested you and the old way has died, the new way is here. And you will always know when things aren't right. You always know when things are broken. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. Um, this, again, is specific to the church, but is an easy place to end up. Um, Jess and I interviewed at a church years ago, and uh, one of the things that blew me away about this church, they were a church that held to one of the old Church of God teachings. We don't teach it here. You will never hear me endorse this. I'm sorry. Um, but the teaching is that you can become perfect and sinless in this life. And this church had just gone through a horrible split. And three-quarters of the congregation left and went in different directions. And there was all kinds of nastiness and bitterness and everything else. And we interviewed there. And in this meeting, I'm being interviewed by their board. And they said, well, you know, do you, do you sin? Or actually, I think in Sunday school, my wife is such a wonderful, wonderful person. I love her more than anything in this world. Um, in Sunday school, Jess said, I sin every day. I struggle to be like Christ, but I struggle with my flesh, and I sin. And so in the interview, they're like, so wait a minute, is your wife going out and getting drunk? Is she, like, sleeping around? What kind of hussy did you marry? And I'm like, what are you, what are you talking about? Well, she said she sins every day. Well, I sin every day, don't you? No, I don't sin at all. I'm perfect. What? <laughs> no, I don't sin. I'm perfect. I am sinless. What? <laughs> and everybody in the room said it. And I'm like, are you joking? None of you people think you, you don't need me. You don't even really need Jesus at this point, right? And the one lady sitting there said, you know, now that you mention it, the pastor, because the, their fight started when a pastor ran away with a Sunday school teacher, left his wife and kids behind, and ran off with a Sunday school teacher. And she said, you know what, the pastor used to say that he never sins, but he cheated on his wife. And then she said, you know what, and a lot of people here who say they don't sin, like, they did some nasty stuff when we were fighting after he left. And I was like, you people sin. In reality, it is so easy to, to, to kill the spirit in our lives when we reach the point that we don't think we need him. When we've convinced ourselves, we've become blind to our own brokenness and our own need and our own fallenness, our own sin, like our own pride takes over and makes us dead. When we look at the people around us and we say, you know what, I can be a better Christian than that guy. I am a better Christian than that guy. Why do they look at him and think, oh, oh, oh nonsense. It's spiritual poison. It's spiritual cancer. Um, God calls us to walk in the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit is going to shine a light on our sin. It's going to shine a light on the areas where we're operating in the flesh. We have to work. And not just work, we have to work together. And by the way, that means that we have to be available to each other. That's hard. And part of being available to each other is being open with each other because nobody finds it easy to confess sin, but they always find it easier when somebody else says, you know what, I have failed, and here's how I failed. Isn't it true?
I'm going to close in prayer. My challenge for you guys is um, this, this idea of works and faith. Um, this is a longer sermon, but this is a tough idea, and I don't want you to get lost in it. You can't earn your salvation. But now that we are saved, there's work to do. Heavenly Father, I pray that folks who are hearing today would, would know the law and the gospel um, as separate things, Lord. They would know that our need for salvation through faith in Christ is, is great, that we can't escape it. And Lord God, most of all, I pray that they would become um, like my dog in the sandwich, Lord, that they would see good works and charge at them, um, that they would resist the flesh and, and operate out of, out of the Spirit, live by the Spirit, walk in the Spirit. I pray that you would give us openness to each other and a willingness to, to operate together as the body of Christ. That we would build each other up to grow in the spirit, to grow in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a good Sunday.